Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 29th of January. This is your host, Justin Brown, and today I'm joined by my producer, Kobe Jackson, and my wonderful co-host, J.P. Flanagan in Orlando Smart. We're excited to be back in the studios, and we have a great show planned for you this morning. But before we get started, let's throw it to Orlando from a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast, Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, Orlando. Let's get started with the Bobcat basketball teams because both teams' Sunbelt Conference play is underway, and it's been an exciting season so far for both of them. But we're going to start off with Texas State women's basketball as they just played their last game home against the Southern Miss Eagles, and it was actually a 62-52 to win, a 10-point win for the Bobcats, marking their 11th win on the season at home. Out of the last five games they played at home, they won three of them. But, guys, this was an overtime win. We saw Denasia Hood drop 17 points. We saw some big performances from Tiana Eaton. Kennedy Taylor splashing it from three. Guys, what does it take for a basketball team to win in overtime like this, especially at home with this energy? What do you think being home does for that? And also, how do you think you get the pieces together to get an overtime win against an away team like Southern Miss? I mean, that and first of all, that's a big win for for Texas State because Southern Miss was actually ha, actually had the better uh, conference record than Texas State did. So, I mean, being at home was obviously a big advantage. They're now currently now 11 and two at home now. So, I mean, that's a big win, but one thing to note that there was, I believe one of their key players for Southern Miss was out with, I believe a back injury. So, and she didn't come back for in for the red, for the remaining game. I was able to catch uh, the first half, uh, in the uh, he, uh, after the men's game, so I was uh, you know I was surprised it was really back and forth battle. I mean both teams were really fighting hard in the second half, and then obviously you know second half was just you know a different story. Obviously you know Southern Miss was trying to obviously you know get bucket scoring, and you know they were trading buckets back and forth mostly in the fourth quarter. So uh, and then o- obviously overtime was obviously a big major deal because I, I want to say I want to say this is the first overtime game they've had all season, I believe. So I mean this is. I mean, this is a big win for Texas State, especially in the conference, because they just defeated a top-notch conference team who is actually, I believe, was like second, I believe, in conference. I forgot who was first, but, uh, I mean, Texas State really got uh, the advantage here uh, a couple days ago, and, uh, I mean, it was a great performance by the uh, Bobcats. Yeah, now that you mentioned that Southern Miss was atop the atop the Sun Belt, it, they do actually end up playing the Bobcats for a second time Um before the season's over, so Southern Miss will definitely be looking on the schedule and seeing a Texas State team that's that beat them and you know really be coming with their their best stuff coming forward. But um, looking ahead, I mean this this latter end of the schedule has got a lot of top heavy teams, and really Texas State's going to have to show that they're you know they belong in the top three of this conference. And um, I mean only like two or three games separating them from honestly like the bottom seven. So. Um, just got to keep up what they're doing and a, a good win against in overtime against a good team is a, a good way to start it. Um, but yeah, I mean, good things. And it, we were talking last week about that loss to South Alabama, really getting stagnant mm-hmm. in the turnovers. But I mean, they were really able to turn it around and, you know, two wins back to back and hopefully we can get a third. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And like you said earlier, they 
Denise Ed with 17 points, but we also had a big game from Ja'Kayla Bowie. She had 12 points, six rebounds, and then Lauren Thompson was amazing on the rebounds with nine. So, I mean, boards are really important, especially in an overtime win like that. That's how you that's how you create extra possessions for your team, and that's what we needed down the stretch. I'm glad you bring that up, Orlando. You talk about this box score, and Kobe mentioned earlier some players were not in the box score, and that mm-hmm. is Southern Miss's Mo- Dominique Davis. Dominique Davis, yeah. I mean, she's averaging around 16 points a game for the Southern Miss team. She was not playing that game, but we saw players like Cornfield step up, and we're talking – I'm talking – um. Yeah, Laura, I mean, sorry, Laney Cornfield, 14 yeah. points. Big performance from her off the bench. But, yeah, um, this team, I mean, this Bobcat team, we look at the Sunbelt Conference standings right now. This Bobcat team is 15-6 and six overall, 7-3 and three in the Sunbelt Conference, and that is a four-way tie between JMU, Southern Miss, L- Louisiana Lafayette, and Texas State. So they're all battling for that number for one. For the number one spot? Yeah, the number okay. one spot. The number one spot belongs to Troy Trojans that are 8-2 and two right now. So Bobcat's only a few wins out from having that number one spot. And I believe with Coach Zinnery Antoine, she's had one of her best seasons so far. She's now all-time leading in wins for this team. So Mm -hmm. with her as the coach, I believe this Bobcat team can definitely continue to be one of the top teams in the conference. Now, their next game will be home versus the Troy Trojans. We talk about that number one seed. So this is a must-watch game. And this game is going to be a pink-out game. So all the fans and attendants will be wearing pink. It's going to be a breast cancer type of uh, awareness game. What was that, Cody? Actually, that's a good point because, honestly, I'm a big, big believer in, you know, breast cancer awareness. I know 100%. That's, that's that's been a, you know, big deal. It's been one of those things that kind of, I wouldn't say runs in my family, but I've had family members that have survived from it, and it's it's an amazing feeling to have. Yeah, it's great to see that all the athletic programs here at Texas State, you know, provide awareness for breast cancer. But, yes, that game is going to be Thursday, February 2nd, and that will be home against Troy. Um, it's going to be a really fun game to, you know, definitely go out and support breast cancer awareness, but also just support the Bobcats and see them play against the Troy Trojans. But let's transition to another team in Sunbelt Conference play that's for Texas State, and that's the Texas State men's basketball team, who are 11-12 overall. They're below 500 now, and they're 4-6 and six in Sunbelt Conference play. They had a 58-67 to 67 loss against Southern Miss. They went to go play away to Southern Miss. But Southern Miss, guys, is no average team. They're no. first in Sunbelt Conference. Mm-hmm. They have a 19-4 overall record, 8-2 in conference. Guys, tough loss for the Bobcats here. We saw Nigel Caesar in the game before that. They were playing here at home against Old Dominion. In that game, you know, we saw 22 points dropped from Nigel Caesar in that one. But, guys, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, truthfully, this loss against Southern Miss? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to find some bright spots to look forward to, you know, heading forward. And obviously a little bit of a disappointment coming from last year and, you know, really being so close to that tournament. But, I mean, there's still upside. You know, the Sun Belt allows every team to get a chance at the Sun Belt tournament, which ultimately could give the top team in the Sun Belt a bid. Obviously a lot of things have to happen. And I think that's a little minuscule at this point. But um, they have two games that are kind of gimmies closer to the end. We have Arkansas State and the South Alabama team who are who are struggling to get some wins. So hopefully that will kind of boost the – the record a little bit but aside from that you got you got to play some tough games against uh george george Mad- or george madison james <laughs> madison and app state so tough teams you know to end the season so you got to find some bright spots and hopefully put some wins together and you know hopefully that leads to some success in the sunbelt conference yeah and i wanted to make a correction i said last game they played was against jm i said old dominion it was actually against georgia southern eagles where they got a three-point win 70 to 67 of them just wanted to correct it all Anybody. right so uh yeah like that game, like you said, it was kind of disappointing. I mean, we there were we had a lot of people just kind of spread the ball around. Mason Jordan played pretty well, and then I know there's a 
there's a lot of people that we just needed not to harp on rebounds, but with Tyrell Morgan getting 13, he kind of needed some help out there from the rest of the team. And, you know, it's just, like you said, coming from last season, it is a bit disappointing coming from the season we had, you know, winning the number one seed in the conference. So there is a lot of things we have to work on, but it's not too late to turn the season around. Yeah, and I was actually, I was, you know, in the studio, uh, you know, producing that game. And honestly, it was really close. It was really close in the first half. I was honestly really surprised that Texas State, you know, hung with them. But, I mean, we have to mention Nigel Caesar because, honestly, I think he's been now the next big target for Texas State. I mean, obviously, last year was obviously Caleb Asbury. But now I think Texas State finally finally has their man that they want to absolutely want to try to get the shots off in Nigel Caesar. So, I mean, but, you know, it was another it was another one of those games where, you know, Texas State was in the ball game and then just, you know, just you know kind of slipped out of their hands. And you know that, and that's and that's the number one team in the Sun Belt right now. So I mean, I mean it was close. I mean it was close in the second half, and then Southern Miss just you know turned it up another level in the second half. But I mean it was a tough loss for the Bobcats, and I know Coach TJ is probably telling his guys, "Hey, we got to finish this season strong if we're either going to you know survive in the conference tournament, or you know if we you know just go want to go out on top." You know, we look at this record that the Bobcat basketball team has right now. They're eleven and twelve overall, four and six in Sun Belt play. And you mentioned Nigel Caesar might be the next big target for this team offensively, and he might be the guy that they're giving the ball to. We know Mason Harrell is out. He is the senior floor leader for this team. He's leading in multiple statistics for this Bobcat basketball team. He's out of the out of play right now. Mm-hmm. He's battling an injury. So Coach TJ is obviously going to have some adversity, and this team is going to have to learn to respond to it. But a good close fight against the number one team at Sunbelt Conference, and to do that without your major floor leader, that is impressive. Their next game, though, as Joe, I mean, as Kobe mentioned earlier, will be against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That game will be in Lafayette, Louisiana. That will be February 2nd at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN, but you can catch that call at 7 p.m. where the pregame will start with Clint Shields on KTSW 89.9. But don't go anywhere. We got more awesome Bobcat Radio on the other side of it. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I have my producer, Kobe Jackson, my co-host, J.P. Flanagan, Orlando Smart, and this is your host, Justin Brown. But as we mentioned before the break, we were talking about basketball teams at Texas State, but you cannot you cannot forget to mention San Marcos High School basketball team. This team is on a 24-game winning streak, especially after beating East Central away, 81-67. to In this game, you see players like senior Javen Kofer drop 17 points. Cash Good, he's a sophomore, dropping 15. Caden Gums, the senior Texas State commit, having 24 points of his own. And we had Malik Presley also drop 23. I mean, you're talking a good 60 to 70 points coming from four different players. Guys, this Rattler team is ranked very high in the state. They were ranked six in the state just the other day. They're number one in this district, and they're the only one in this district that have a winning streak mm-hmm. this high. I mean, they're the only one to have a winning streak above three yeah. in this league right now. They haven't lost a game since November. Guys, what are your thoughts on the San Marcos basketball team? And isn't it hard to win 24 games in a row? It, it is. I mean, it's hard. They've, they've won 30 games this season. They're 30-2. and two. They're 5-0 and oh in district play. They're like on their way to a district championship right now. I mean, it can't be much more can't be really said about this team. They're playing amazing. They have a player averaging 20 points a game, which is amazing. They they have their complimentary players 16 points, 12 points from Caden Gums and Javen Kofer. So, I mean, these Rattlers are playing amazing. 
Yeah, no, yeah, uh, I totally agree with you because I feel like this team isn't giving us a lot to talk. I mean, it's giving us a lot to talk about, but like we're talking about the same things. Like they just keep winning and, and keep bringing together these impressive wins. Um, looking ahead of the schedule, they got to play a few tough teams there in San Antonio. And then New Braunfels is a team that was ranked highly in the state as well. Mm-hmm. And they were looking really for a comeback or a, a rematch in that game. That game will also be in their home court. So that would be to their advantage. Um, but really, San Marcos is looking to close the season out like, with that high point. Uh, that 24 game win streak is very, very impressive impressive and really uh, unmatchable to anyone in the conference or in the in the league um but yeah this is a good looking san marcos team and hopefully they can continue rolling yeah and you know we i've been me and paxton kind of been really talking about this a lot this season is that the fact that they have so much chemistry together is really is what is the main spark of this team and i know justin you alluded to you know Caden gums uh, you know, the Texas Day commit, you know, if he can bring that to Texas Day, I think Texas Day will possibly have a real chance, a real awesome chance on the hands. But that's another story for a different day. And we'll wait for that when he officially, you know, signs with Texas State. But I mean, just back to, you know, San Marcos as a loan. I watched that game and stuff when I was uh, in the studio as well with uh, when women's was on. And honestly, it was a real treat because honestly, I was looking at the game and I was just just watching like every little not every little play but like every little piece every little fundamental piece that you know certain players do and honestly they're so fundamentally sounded I honestly think that you know that te- that San Marcus really has has probably the best fundamentals that I've seen cuz I know you know New Braunfels kind of gave them a scare I know uh, Judson and Steele well I mean Judson kind of well actually yeah Judson yeah and then Steele obviously was I mean, it was no cakewalk, but I mean, they still you know won by a lot. But this team is so fun, fundamentally sounded that nobody really talks about them a lot. And I feel like if they can keep that, then they'll have much more, much more wins under the belt. And and like uh, Orlando mentioned, or actually no, JP mentioned that they will actually restart district play because obviously their first game in district was against Cle- uh, Clemens. So, uh, but now they're going to restart uh, district and they're going to face Clemens again for uh, for district. Yes, they will be facing Clemens again. That is going to be an away game Tuesday, January 31st at 7 p.m. But yeah, like before we you know leave this team, I just want to say Dan Miller, he talked about last year that this new district they're going into is going to provide a lot of opportunities for them, and it definitely has. They're doing amazing. They came off of a first-round playoff loss last year by losing by one free throw they could not make in the final seconds. So this Rattler basketball team really turning it around this season on a 24-game win streak, and their next one will be against Shirts Clemens. Oh, yep. Yeah, I, I just want to add one more quick note is that I, you know, I know I talked about, you know, San Marcos community and, you know, how they, you know, have formally, you know, formed a bond around these players and around the coaching staff. I think this is showing it because I know obviously football was, I wouldn't say, I mean, it was kind of, of a disappointment, but I think, you know, showing the fact that the crowd, you know, actually really does care about this team and how strong they are in, in their growth and their development and fundamentally sounded. I think that's really the strong, also a strong point for this team as well. Cause anytime you have a big time San Marcus game like this, you know, the crowd just, you know, gets involved and obviously, you know, they want to root on for their team to win. And honestly, this is probably the most I've seen, you know, the Rattlers have a, a really strong community fan base. Cause I know, you know, in previous years they haven't been, you know, they haven't been to that, you know, promised land. But honestly, this is this is a this is a community that I think is really proud of of what the Rattlers have done so far. Yes, I, I completely agree. And they're going to be really excited to see them go into the playoff picture. Um, I think that's 100 percent a safe bet. 
<laughs> There's not a <laughs> doubt in my mind they're going to make it to the playoffs. It's just how you play in the playoffs. You cannot get caught up in the seeding, get caught up in the regular season stats. You have to play every single game the same way you played one yesterday. You're dropping mm-hmm. 24 points. Give me 26 next game. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's what Dan Miller's expecting from this team. And with the chemistry they have, it's going to happen. Now, let's take a transition out of hoops for a second. Let's talk about another Texas State team that doesn't get a lot of time to be mentioned here on Bobcat Radio, but we still got to show them love, and that's the Texas State track and field team. We know last year we've seen players like Dominic Yancey, Alyssa Wilson breaking records left and right, and Dominic Yancey already been named Sunbelt Conference uh, comp, you know, track track and field player of the the month. I think it was the of the week. I want to say the week. Yeah, yeah, it was of the week last week. And you know, we see top, we see four top five finishes here last week. And on January twenty seventh, the Bobcats visited the Houston Invitational. That's at University of Houston, and four Bobcats finished with top five finishes. Finishes. We saw uh, Matilde Kinnett. She had a women's high jump fourth place. We had Melanie Duran. She had women's shot put third place. Elizabeth. Runar's daughter, I think that's how you say her last name, I believe correctly. She is a she did women's weight throw. She got fourth place as well. And Chris Preddy with the men's long jump placing third. All four of these players topped were finished top five. And I mean that's a pretty good thing. We saw last yeah, outing is. they had against in their last invitational, their last track meet was in Texas Tech. That was the Red Raider Open. And we saw multiple Bobcats break records yeah. and have, you know, first place finishes. So Guys, you know, this track team, you know, we may not be the most knowledgeable in track in here, but guys, isn't it pretty impressive that we have Bobcats going to U of H, playing against some star talent, international talent, and they're finishing in top four, uh, top five finishes. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, coming from a former track athlete, I know how hard it is to stay fit in track. That's number one. I just want to get that out the way. But honestly, you know, we talked about this track team a lot last year. And honestly, it's honestly, it seems like it's repeating itself like how last year was, you know, them breaking records back and forth. And, you know, then all of a sudden they start finishing either top, you know, top five or top three or eventually first place in any event that they compete in. So, you know, I know we give a lot of love to, you know, Dominic Yancey and obviously Alyssa Wilson. Those were the main two, you know, record breakers last year. But honestly, they're on track to possibly do it again this year. And honestly, the track team as a whole, I think, has a strong, strong possibility of possibly making it into like the NCAA championships. Yeah, man, and I'm see. I never ran track in school, but you don't even have to run track to know that third place is good. Oh especially, yeah, 100%. especially as a freshman. So I mean, Chris Preddy getting third place like that in the um, in the long jump. I mean, that's that's very good for him to come in and have an immediate impact like that. He was even um, just he was two centimeters away from his personal record in the triple jump. So. He's coming in, and he's the impact he's having is very nice. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to get to see the growth of this team. I mean, a, a team that uh, was kind of short on the roster last year, and you can really see some, a lot of growth in, uh, into the numbers of this team. Uh, this is a great, you know, um, outing for them, getting to show their talent against some local talent here in Texas and Louisiana and then internationally, as y'all mentioned. So really just a way to show uh, what Texas State's building here. And uh, what I really enjoy about this is that they're, they really have put some high-end meets on their schedule with Arkansas, uh, Houston later in February, and then the Longhorn Invitational, which is a pretty big deal in the state oh, of Texas. Yeah. Texas relays. To the relays. Um, you know, it's a big weekend event with the high schools and stuff, and then into the weekend with uh, the you know the college athletes, but I mean I'm I'm really glad that Texas State's putting their foot forward and you know uh, putting some you know value in this track team and you know th- that really comes with you know racing against the highest level of competition and getting to schedule e- meets with the SEC team and a Big Twelve team that's a big deal. 
it's 100% a big deal. And it's showing that Bobcats are not afraid to shy off against big competition. And they showed up there five top, I mean, four top five finishes in Absolutely. this invitational against U of H. Their next invitational, I mean, their next track meet, it's going to be February 3rd, Friday, and February 4th, Saturday. It's going to be a weekend collegiate classic event in New Mexico. That's going to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the New Mexico Collegiate Classic. So if you happen to be in New Mexico, I bet you're a lot warmer than us. <laughs> Enjoy <laughs> watching that track meet and watching the Bobcats show up. But we're going to take a transition from local sports, and we're going to take it to national sports as the NFL. We have big news left and right, but Kobe Jackson here, my producer, just alerted me to some breaking news. And Kobe, let it, it, is, let it spill. I would say this is, this is probably going to—I think this is going to make Cowboy fans a lot happier. So breaking news— the, San, the Los Angeles Chargers are expected to hire ex-Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. So that, I think a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans are really happy with this decision. I know, Orlando, I know you're a Cowboys fan. I know we have a few Cowboys fans here in, in the in the KTSW sports staff. So, I mean, I'm, am I blown away by this? No, because honestly, I expected Kellen Moore to you know be gone probably in the next few days. But I didn't expect him to get hired like that fast. That was That was crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, him getting hired, it's not very surprising. I just think uh, his time in Dallas just kind of stalled out. We had, we've had, they've had top offenses the, the past few years, but it kind of, it gets very predictable. I've heard, I've had, I've heard teams come out and say that the, what the Cowboys are doing is not very special. But so it's very. I think is there's a lot of blame that could be placed on Dak Prescott for the shortcomings. That could be placed on the lack of talent in the receiver room, but. One constant in the past few years has been the inconsistencies of Kellen Moore. So it doesn't surprise me that the Cowboys and him decide to move on. I mean, you know, I will just say it now. The Chargers got a good pickup. And I think, I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see both these teams. They had seasons where, you know, both Cowboys. I mm. mean, I bet they're more disappointed than the Chargers are. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, but no, I'm no, I know everyone, you know, I'm not going to offend anyone in here. But, you know, I think the Cowboys... We'll see what they can get now. You know, they've given up away him, so it's going to be interesting to see. But, guys, I want to talk about some other NFL news because I want to get y'all's thoughts on this while we have time about it. The NFC and AFC championship games just came, you know, they just finished. They're they're done. And first, I just want to talk about these two games and their scores before we get your dives and your thoughts on them. We saw the San Francisco 49ers play against the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Eagles blew them out 31-7. to and then we saw a really exciting game, the game that I thought was popcorn-worthy, and Absolutely. that was the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs. I like what you did there, popcorn-worthy. Yeah, very popcorn-worthy, <laughs> and it was a final score of 23-20. to 20. Guys, let's just first start off with this Eagles 49ers game. You know, JP and I were Brock Purdy fans, and it makes us sad to see he leaves early with an injury, an elbow injury. Guys, what are your thoughts on... This this performance seven to thirty one forty nine ers fall short. To yeah, Eagles. very disappointing. I was really hoping to get to see a rookie quarterback, Mister Relevant, you know, make a Super Bowl and really just show what he's got. But it's an, it's unfortunate how to end that way. I mean, the forty nine ers struggled with QB injuries all year, and that doesn't necessarily go on the O line, but. I mean, th that definitely leads to some sort of injury there. So they got to work. They got some things to work on. I mean, the system is definitely working with pretty much anyone at the helm. Uh, but they got a tough Eagles team this week, and I don't. I don't really know what they were expecting to walk in there with a fifth string or with a fullback playing quarterback and win. I mean, even George Kittle came out saying that it was very disappointing. Like if he had a quarterback, maybe they had a chance. And that that's just frustration coming out of George's part. Yeah. But I mean, th that's a tough Eagles team they had to play. It was going to be a defensive game no matter what, and. Uh, I mean, the Eagles just came 
that with that win. I mean, I think if Brock Purdy's in that game, it's still a loss. So I'm not going to put that like on not having a quarterback. But uh, yeah, definitely a disappointing game. But that second game made up for it. Yeah, and I. I was rooting for the 49ers because my Super Bowl prediction was 49ers-Bengals, but we'll get into the Bengals in just a minute. But, I mean, obviously my Super Bowl prediction is now out the water. But, I mean, I underestimated Philadelphia. I honestly really thought I honestly thought it would be a lot closer. I didn't expect Philadelphia to be be that that top dog in, in teams. And keep in mind, they are still the number one team in the NFC, NFC. People forget about that. But, I mean, what can you say more? Philadelphia did their job, and they came in with a clean head and was like, "Hey, we gonna we gonna handle business, and we gonna take it the next step further." And sure enough, they did. Now the 49ers, you know, like you said before, obviously not having a quarterback, and you know, a Brock Purdy going down, and then obviously Josh Johnson going down as well. I mean, that's that's tough. And in game, speaking of, and Brock Purdy tried to you know come back in, but I mean, you know, it it is what it is. It happens. But I mean. Kudos to the Philadelphia Eagles. I know their defense was absolutely solid. I honestly thought the Niners' defense was probably going to manhandle Jalen Hurts, but, you know, it, it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, as much as it pains me to say, the Eagles definitely went out there and handled business. And as a Cowboys fan, I was the biggest Brock Purdy fan going into the game. And, <laughs> but, I mean, they just their, – their defensive line is astounding. They're just – they had ten pl- they had multiple players with 10-plus sacks this season, so – they it was only a matter of time before they got to Brock Purdy and then yeah once he went out you got Yushchek over there warming up to play quarterback <laughs> so it's like they just they didn't have enough at the end of the day you know it's really funny to see that these two games kind of contrast each other we see a great defensive performance from the Eagles you know closing out the 49ers 31 to 7 but then you look at the second game and it's an offensive show i mean you're talking Joe Burrow throwing 270 yards and Patrick Mahomes just doing what Mahomes does 326 yards in this game some may say you know it, we saw the you know the Chiefs come out to a bigger lead over the the Bengals going to the halftime and then we see Basically, the Bengals, the game is tied. And it, I mean, and it's a possibility that they could play some great defense, prevent the Chiefs from getting in field goal range. There's only 30 seconds on the clock in the fourth quarter or less than that. I think, no, there was only like three seconds left when the field goal was kicked. But, you know, we've seen that Patrick Mahomes can do anything with 10 seconds. You know, you can't, you got to give him at least three seconds and maybe you can close the game out. It was going to go into overtime. And yeah. then we see a hit. From is it is it Osai or Joseph Osai Joseph Osai Joseph Osai on the Bengals hits Patrick Mahomes as he's already out of bounds and he's called for you know intentional roughness or what was it uh, unnecessary un- roughness unnecessary, unnecessary roughness right there and that was a 15 yard penalty and therefore they got in range for a field goal and they win the game off of a field goal guys thoughts on this what are the thoughts going through Osai's head right now. And how does it feel to be a Bengals fan? Uh, that was just heartbreaking. It was just, me being a Texas fan, having a Texas player, you know, basically cost the Bengals a game like that. It, it hurt. And not a lot of people made that connection until all my friends from College Station were like, of course, it was a Texas guy who cost the game. Um, <laughs> Typical. Yeah. But, I mean, it was crazy that I mean, you called it an offensive game, and it definitely was with the yardage. But these teams definitely struggled to get into the end zone. It yeah. felt like the first you know, half was full of just you know, um, field goals and stuff, and you didn't know if any team was going to get it started. But, of course, you know Joey B and Patrick Mahomes were going to get it started um yeah I mean if that doesn't happen I think that they're still capable of getting a field goal maybe not that good of one but I I, um yeah I definitely think this was the Chiefs game to win and they're gonna definitely be the favorite heading into this weekend that that's the reason I kind of don't want to put the blame all on a side of the way a lot of people are because it's just it's not like Patrick Mahomes couldn't have got into field goal range at that point exactly and it's 
I, I'm at the point where Patrick Mahomes is an alien. He's on a completely different <laughs> level than everyone else, in my opinion. It's it's Patrick Mahomes than everyone else. Not even and it's not even close. So I don't want to place the blame all on one player. They played a full game, four quarters. A lot of things happened in that game. There was a lot of chances to win that game, and so you can't just blame it all on one person. When even though something like that is very like detrimental to the team, there's a lot of chances they had to win that game. Yeah, and you make a great point because, like you said, you can't really blame all it all of it on one player. And I know uh, I was actually on um, I was actually on YouTube, kind of watching it on your highlights, and then I was watching this one scene where a teammate of of Joseph Osai was actually like pounding on him because of the penalty and I'm like dude you can't you can't blame him that's part of football that's part of the game you know and honestly honestly it shows a lack of discipline for you know for that teammate because you're supposed to be there you know you know showing him love making sure like he's okay and try to you know you know perk him up and stuff but I mean that's I mean for, I just want to get say that but I mean as far as the game goes I think the Bengals Really did, really did an outstanding job actually holding Mahomes to you know only tw- only twenty three points. I, I think that's part of the lowest score that he's had at least in I want to say at least in the playoffs at least. But I mean he did he did good, and then obviously Mahomes was outstanding. So I mean, what a job by the Chiefs, and you know we're having that we have now a Texas slash Kelsey versus Kelsey Super Bowl. And I also want to add, this is the first Super Bowl that will have two black starting quarterbacks. As yes, well, absolutely. Which is very big. Very big. Yeah, um, just going to go back to that Joseph Osai thing for a second. I know a lot of people want to put it on him because it's easy to put it on him because that's like a very uh, tossly penalty and you can kind of pinpoint it to like a specific thing. But I, I really think that, oh, I mean, this is kind of a Twitter quote that I'm paraphrasing here, but I really think that O-line owes Joseph Osai like an apology and 100%. really just dinners for like the rest of the year if possible. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, four sacks in the first quarter, that's not his fault. That can't oh, yeah. possibly be his fault. I mean, that, they didn't let Patrick Mahomes score a touchdown in that first quarter. And re- reasonably, if you know, Joey B and that O-line are able to do anything in that first half, I think they go into that first quarter with the lead and then maybe even halftime with the lead. So, yeah, that offensive line is definitely something to look at going into next season because I I know that was supposed to be a strong point going into this season. Yes. Well, here's what I will say. You know, I think Joseph Osai can't be blamed for all of this. I think that's something really easy for fans to pinpoint, as you mentioned. It's not all on him at all. Um, But, guys, really quick while we have the time, I just want a one-word prediction. You say the team that's winning it. What do you think? Super Bowl coming up. It's the 40—I mean, it's the Chiefs versus the— Sorry, why am I—the Eagles. Why am I blanking right now? Who are y'all giving? I'm getting the Eagles right now. I'm doing Chiefs. Chiefs. Eagles. Okay, well, we got a split show right in here. Well, Kobe, give us some weather before we get out of here. I know it's some pretty severe weather right now. It's pretty cold. Yeah, I w- it was waking up, but it got really cold last night. So it was. It is uh, currently 36 degrees. It was the low of 33 earlier this morning. It's supposed to get a high of 41, so it's supposed to stay cold all day. And then Tuesday's forecast is a high of 41 and a low of 34, with a 70 percent chance of rain. So. I mean, it's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be pretty nasty weather for the next next few days. So make sure y'all wear a jacket and an umbrella, and y'all stay cool or stay warm, I should say. Yeah, stay warm. I don't know if you want to stay cool, but uh, well, that's our time for today. Make sure to keep up with everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us on KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For JP Flanagan, Orlando Smart, and my producer Kobe Jackson, this was Justin Brown. Thank you for listening to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. We hope you tune in the same time Wednesday and have a great rest of your day. Now let's get you back to the other side of radio.